Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in this community. I thank you for the leaders that you're raising up. Yeah, I'm just so thankful for, for people like Daniel um, and Anna and so many of uh, so many of you guys. Every single person in here, the Lord has just handpicked you to be part of this family. You guys believe that? And so, um, you know, God's growing us in love and grace. Um, and part of the way he does that is by putting us with people that are different from us. And they grow our giftings and talents and abilities. And he's allowing joints. Every joint supplies strength. So when we come together, we form the full picture of the body. And we supply gifts and strengths and talents. And so especially in our day, it's, uh, we, need to, we have to learn to um, get along with people and bring in diverse. We have to learn to see and pursue a unity and diversity. And uh, God uh, has beautifully woven together this spiritual family. Anyways, I'm thankful for all of you. So today's Father's Day, and um, we're going to look at a couple different things I've got in my heart, and I'm just going to kind of try and go with the, the Holy Spirit this morning. Um, I told you to turn to Ephesians 6, and you can stay there, but one thing that we're going to look at is the Lord's Prayer, and we kind of looked at this last year, but we're not going to get into the entirety of it. Um, but we see in the life of Jesus, we see his disciples, and they were no doubt transfixed at the person of Christ. Who was Jesus? What was the secret to his life, his miracles? Why was it that when Jesus spoke, their hearts burned within them? Why did they continue to follow when others left? You, you see the, the disciples, they felt the magnetic force of life in his words as if the disciples, they were leaning in, they wanted to peer into his relationship with the one that he called Father. It was on one certain occasion that the disciples saw Jesus praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. We want the relationship that you have with the Father. We want the relationship you have with God. We want to see the Father. Uh, in another instance, the Lord, the Lord said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you in the way you know. And the disciples, they were, they were confused. And they said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus responded and said, I go to the Father. To which Philip, the disciple, he responds. He says, Lord, show us the Father. In the Lord's prayer, this is where Jesus, he taught his disciples to call God Father. But this wasn't a new concept. It, in the um, Old Testament, we see the revelation of God as Father has roots. God is described as the Father of Israel. David described God as a Father of the fatherless. The prophet Hosea spoke of God as a Father carrying Israel as a child. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Prayer begins with the knowledge of who God is and the location of his being as it relates to his supremacy, his preeminence, his elevated state. God is our Father in heaven. We enter into the 
majesty, the magnanimity, the greatness of who he is as we gaze upon him, Father in heaven. Only then can we proceed in the true spirit of intercession. Our problems and lives in our world, they're contrasted with the character, the person, and the presence of God. The word hallowed, it comes from the root word hagios. This word means to make holy, to consecrate, to sanctify, to set apart, revere. One could appropriately translate the phrase, hallowed be thy name, as such, Father, glorify thy name. The sanctification of God's own name is the first request in Jesus' model prayer. G, uh, his name embraces the full scope of his excellence, majesty, and holiness. In another prayer, in John 17, 11, Jesus described God as Holy Father. The Apostles' Creed, it begins with this phrase, We believe in God the Father Almighty. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty. He is Alpha and Omega. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There was no Almighty God before Jehovah, and there will be none after him. Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. Ancient of days, Creator, Yahweh, Lord, Judge, Father. He is El Shaddai, God Almighty. In Romans 11, verse 34, Oh, the depths of the riches of both the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, and his ways are past finding out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has become his counselor, or who has first given to him that it shall be repaid? Psalms 50, I have no, the Lord says, I have no need of a bull from your stall or of goats from your pens. For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains, and the insects in the fields are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you. The world is mine, all that is in it. Do I eat the flesh of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Need more room here. Um, in Job 38, in Job 38, uh, verse 11, it is he who tells the seas, come this far and no further. Isaiah 40, whomever did the Lord consult to enlighten him? Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. Isaiah 40, verse 25, to whom then will you compare me? that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high. See he who created these heavenly bodies, the one that brings out their hosts by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and of his strength and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Even Nebuchadnezzar confessed, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? Daniel 4.35. These are a few selections in scripture that declare his majesty, his excellence. Father, glorify your name. 
Jesus, throughout his life, he contributed to the sanctification of the Father's divine name. By his perfect life course on the earth, he proved it reasonable and righteous for God to set standards for his intelligent creatures. Satan, on the other hand, um, what we see, even when Satan subjected Jesus to an agonizing death, he remained loyal to his Father. To the very end, and in the garden, he glorifies his name. He says, Abba, glorify thy name. Glorify your name. The complete revelation of God as Father, it comes with the life and the ministry of Jesus. Jesus, as the Son, he, has, he carries a unique relationship with the Father. On one occasion, Jesus said, I and the Father are one, in John 10.30. Another time, he says, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus imitated the Father. His union with the Father is part of this mystery of the Trinity. God is one, and the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are God. When we see the Trinity, we understand this relationship and the role of the Father. It's not just a matter of uh, a doctrine, a theory, but it's a central pillar in the life of every believer. When Jesus invites us to pray to the Father, he is inviting us into divine fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We begin with Father, his name being made separate, holy revealed in his position being recognized as magnanimous. In Luke's uh, genealogy, and we looked at this last year on Father's Day, we are led all the way back to the first man, Adam. Adam is revealed as the son of God. The fact that we have a father who gave us his son to reveal to us his nature, it reveals a loving creator who imparts to us design, purpose, identity. Um, In Psalms 139, the psalmist David, he declares, you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw my unformed body. All my days were ordained for me, ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Without a father, we lose design, we lose identity, we lose purpose, we lose loving relationship with our creator. Without a father, we're left unprotected, we're left unidentified against a world of lies, trying to rob us of dignity and life. It's at the heart of our creator, Yahweh, is the heart of a loving father. In Jeremiah 1.5, the Lord says, Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Conception of life, it begins in Father God. It begins in heaven, where Father, the Father conceived us. He knew us before we were born. He fearfully and wonderfully created and designed our life. Um, 
a pastor named, Vo, uh, I don't know how to say his name correctly, but Vadi Bachman. He, tells, he says, there's a ubiquitous story told in prison ministry circles that speak to the state of fatherhood in our day. One year, a group decided to provide cards for inmates on Mother's Day. The response was overwhelming, as nearly all the inmates showed up to sign and send cards to their mother. The event was so successful that the group decided to do it again all on Father's Day. On Father's Day, almost no one participated. At the heart of, of, this, uh, of this discrepancy is, is the heart of father, the issue of fatherlessness. In terms of the men absent from their children's lives and in, in terms of our culture's uh, slow and steady slide into the abyss of anti-masculinity, radical feminism. It's a two-edged sword. Fathers are lacking and the culture argues with us increasingly that fathers are not necessary. In the midst of it all, men, both young and old, walk into fatherhood amidst confusion, degradation, trying to figure out what it all means. But we see that the statistics don't lie. In our world, naturally speaking, fatherlessness, fatherlessness is the root issue beneath the degradation of our world and many of the ills and contagions that plague our society. A child who, that grows up without a father in the home is more likely to experience homelessness, commit crime, serve time in prison, abuse drugs, drop out of school, suffer from poverty, and so much more. You can um, get information. There's a website called fatherhood.org. When a child is raised in a father-absent home, they're affected in the following ways. There are four times greater risk of poverty, two times greater risk of infant mortality, more likely to go to prison, commit crime, seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen, more likely to face abuse and neglect, to abuse drugs and alcohol, two times more likely to drop out of school. Our children, they're created to respond to the influence of a father, that fathers are a bedrock to our society and our world. A man, um, a man can have little influence in the world, but the day that he becomes a father, everything changes. You know, our kids, they don't care how influential we are outside of the house. As far as their world is concerned, we are the most influential people in their life. Imagine not caring about anything in life, a job, success, a house, a car. Imagine not caring about anything except the attention of two people, and that's your father and your mother. Our children, they crave, crave our attention, our, our love, our affirmation, our discipline, our correction, our guidance. Tragically, in a world where this generation needs more protection than ever before, they're the least protected. We're living in an epidemic of fatherlessness. Fathers, protectors, providers are at a loss in this generation. The cry of the hour is the cry of Philip, the disciple, Lord, show us the Father. It's the, it's the question, it's the cry, who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Where did I come from? This is the cry, show us the Father. This is the cry for intimate belonging.
But in Jesus, we see the Father. It says in Hebrews 1.3, it tells us that Jesus, he is the express image of his person, the exact representation. Jesus, uh, he responded to Philip, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In, you see, in the Son, we find the Father. And when we look into the Father's eyes, we see the Son. And there's this unique, special relationship. And similarly, when we look into Jesus, we see ourselves. We're looking into the eyes of the one from whom we came. The cry for intimate belonging, the cry for identity, purpose, protection, provision. These are what we receive from a father. Um, today we honor our fathers as sons and daughters. We honor the heroes in our lives. And the call of the honor is, is to honor. Um, you know, uh, okay, so Ephesians 6. We're going to look at that. In the call is to honor as well as to take our place. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. For obedience teaches wisdom and self-discipline. Honor, esteem, value as precious your father and mother. Be respectful to them. This is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and you may have a long life on the earth. Verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, do not exasperate to them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable, but bring them up in the discipline and in the instruction of the Lord. Okay, so there's a call on us to honor our father and mother. Um, but beginning uh, with our natural family, it makes, uh, we begin with our, of course, our natural, but it even goes beyond our natural family. It's a call to honor those that have gone before us. It's a call to honor history of those that have laid a foundation, spiritually speaking, even the forefathers of, of our country, of our nation. It's a call to look in the past, to honor those that went before us, to learn from them, and life flows through that honor. Um, that's something that my dad carries is the love of history. Um, he taught a history class here, United States history class, and, and it's something that he's imparted to our family is a love and a, and a desire to honor history and the importance that in order to create, in order to forge the future, we have to honor the past. And so um, part, of, part of that honor is to, is, to honor the, is to honor history and to study it and to learn from it. Um, and the second call with this is that as we honor it's to take our place. It's a call to biblical fatherhood. To rise up as leaders, as protectors, as providers. Fathers, do not provoke your children, but raise them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. As fathers, we have an amazing responsibility to lay a spiritual foundation in our, in our homes. And um, that means, firstly, is not that we have to be a perfect father. 
It means that in everything that we do, we point to the perfect Father. In everything that we do, we demonstrate and reveal the, the heart and the core of the gospel, which is that we are leading our children's hands into the hands of our Heavenly Father. And that's our greatest responsibility. All throughout the word, in Deuteronomy 6, I'm going to read this. It says, these words I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. This is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. So all of life is meant to demonstrate and reveal the training and instruction of the Lord to our children, imparting it to them when we sit in our house, when we walk by the day, when we lie down, and when we rise up, as a sign on, your hand, on our hands, on the doorposts of our house, and on our gates. Um, all of life is a lesson about revealing the training and instruction of the Lord to our children. Thank you, Jesus. Fathers are called to empower, to reproduce. Um, the Apostle Paul, he was a spiritual father. He prayed, um, and he says, again, I am in labor until Christ is formed within you. There's a call on us to become spiritual fathers and to ask the Lord for the spirit of adoption that we might contend as a father would for cities, for nations, for this generation. It's a call to take back our homes. It's a call to take back our marriages. It's a call to contend for orphans and widows. Our God, is a, he's a father of the fatherless. He is a judge and protector of widows this is who he is in his holy habitation. He leads the prisoners into prosperity. This is uh, Psalm 68. He's a father of the fatherless. Some of us didn't have a good representation of a godly father. I can say that I grew up with incredible parents, incredible home and upbringing, and that all of life was a demonstration of lying down, sitting, walking, a demonstration of the Lord you and I, there's a call in our life to, be, to, to become fathers. There's a call for, there's a cry, and the cry of that hour is the generation is crying. Show us true leadership. Show us, Father, and the way that the world's going to see the Father is that you and I behold him, and we demonstrate him, and we reproduce his image. And that means we rise up as protectors. We take back our homes. We take back our marriages. We take back our children, and we build a fortress a fortress of protection, of spiritual truth. Ray, Father, raise, do not exasperate your children, but encourage them. In Colossians, another instance, it says, do not exasperate them, but encourage them. That's a picture of divine authority given to a father. And the weight of that authority, it has the ability to exasperate and provoke to anger because the weight of a father is the, one of the heaviest weights in this world is the responsibility and mantle that a father carries. And so therefore, that authority that's been given from the father to us as men, we're to use that authority in the right measures. 
to train, to discipline, to teach, to impart, to love, to affirm in a way that is imparting courage in life. The weight of our authority as fathers is a tremendous, influential, powerful weight in this world, and it's something this generation is really crying out for. Show us leadership. And looking to the church, show us uh, what the truth is. Show us who we are. Show us identity, purpose, destiny. It's time to reclaim leadership. It's time to rise up as fathers. It's time to rise up as leaders. Amen? Um, Train up your children. Fathers, raise your children in the training and the admonition of the Lord. This is um, our first responsibility. Um, Something I want to hit on is, is as we talk about discipling nations, there are five realms of authority that we have to understand in our world. Um, and the first one of those realms is a personal realm of authority, is that it's, it's a realm of self-government. It's that in Jeremiah, the new covenant says, I will write the law of God upon their hearts. You and I are accountable first to God because all of us will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and all of us will give an account for what was done in the, in the body. And those of us that are in Christ, we're living our life in such a way as to be pleasing to him and to receive reward from him as we, as we enter into heaven to store up for ourselves treasures. But it's the law of self-government is that you and I live our lives before the Father. The law, James describes the law of God as a law of liberty. Paul describes the law of God as is holy, just, and good in Romans 7. The law of God is uh, his instruction written upon our hearts to live in such a way that promotes liberty and life. And Jesus said that the, the, the law, it can be summed up in this thing, this one thing, love one another as, uh, as you love yourself. Um, there was an experiment done where they had the preschool children and they uh, put them in a playground without a fence. And, it's, and they said that the study was to, uh, as, as they put the children out the playground, they all, all the children, they massed together in the middle and they would closely follow the teacher and they were um, timid and afraid to move out into the, the broad space of the playground and to play freely. But as soon as they put up a fence, they said the children were then able, they were free to go and explore the territory and, and run around, and no longer were they walking closely by the teacher afraid. But it showed the power of boundaries. It showed the power is that God gives us his law. He gives us boundaries in our life so as to create and promote freedom in us and through us. Um, and so... James, I think it's uh, John Adams, he has a, he has a quote, and, it, and it's that our Constitution, the way that our Constitution was written, was written for only a moral people. It can be wholly inadequate to govern uh, no other than a moral people. In other words, the way that America uh, and our Constitution is, is designed is that it's designed for a people that are self-governing, accountable to God. It's designed for a people that are walking accountable to God's law 
And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to come and oppose God's law so as to create lawlessness. Because as soon as there's a lawlessness spirit that's loose, it creates chaos. And as soon as there's chaos, it creates a people that can easily... When there's chaos, people will beg to be controlled because they'll beg for order. And so God's law always creates increased freedom. The spirit of lawlessness always creates control, slavery. It creates the opposite. And so the law of God is a law that is promoting liberty. It's a a law that promotes freedom. Um, The second realm is the realm of church government, the second realm of authority. And we see in Ephesians 4, we see a picture of the fivefold government. We see in 1 Corinthians 12 um, a picture of uh, God establishing the church on the foundations of apostles and prophets. And the third realm of authority is business, work, voluntary association. Proverbs 10, 4, it says, the hand of the diligent makes one rich. The fourth realm is the realm of government. And it tells us that the, the purpose of government is for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do well. But the fifth realm of authority, and it's a realm that, um, it's the bedrock of the rest. And it is, it's a husband and a wife, it's a father and a mother, it's the family. And we see this illustrated in Ephesians 5 and 6. Amen. Yeah, so Lord, I just pray that you just, you impart your Father's heart this morning. And I pray that you would help us and guide us and lead us to raise up our children in the training and admonition of the Lord. of leadership upon us as men to guide, to train. To contend. I thank you that you displayed for us, Jesus, what true leadership is. You said, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. How did you love the church, Jesus? You gave yourself up for her. You loved her and gave herself, yourself up for her. And you did that through prayer. You did that through spiritual sacrifice. Men, you're called to be the spiritual thermometers and the leaders in your home. You're called to lay a spiritual foundation. And it goes on to say, by the washing of the water of his word. We're called to wash our wives with our words, with our love, with our children. They're looking for that that voice of a father to speak into them. Yeah, so Lord, I just thank you. 
Thank you for each father in this room. Thank you for my dad. Thank you for my father and the life that he, he's lived in faithfulness, sacrifice, foundation of truth is imparted to us. Thank you. Thank you, Father. We remember, we give honor where it's due. And I pray for those that if there's any deficiencies in our own fatherhood or leadership, I thank you that the true call of the hour is Jesus on his knees crying out in the garden, Abba, Father, glorify thy name. It's the call to be the greatest father. It's the father on his knees saying, Lord, help me to lead this family. Help them to see you in me. It's us on our knees. It's the admission of weakness brokenness, inefficiency, insufficiency, but it's also the submission to lordship, to strength, to his fathering heart. And so, Lord, we want our lives to point to you, Father, and everything that we are and say and do, Jesus. Let our life, we point our children to you. We say that, Lord, in our, our sufficiency, let the Father come and bleed through those areas. Let them see Christ. And thank you that, Lord, you come and release grace upon us to be leaders, to impart strength, to impart leadership, 